and welcome to the first session of the recovery course. Tonight's session is entitled To Change or Not to Change. With that, I've, I've bunged a verse from the New Testament. It's from a letter that was written by James, and he says this, Anyone who meets a testing challenge head-on and manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate. For such persons, loyally in love with God, the reward is life and more life. And I can do with that. I can do with some life and more life. I think we can be greedy for life. I don't know what you were thinking when you were on your way here today. Maybe for some of us, there is a sense of relief. At last, a chance to do something about the issues that we've been living with. And even just walking in here feels like a step forward. For others, there is a sense of fear and vulnerability. And we might be thinking, are the people here going to be judging, condemning me if I begin to open myself up? Perhaps we're a little embarrassed and we're thinking, oh, everyone else I know is just so well sorted. I mean, surely I shouldn't be struggling with these things. Nobody else seems to be. Others of us might feel a little bit more robust and we're thinking things like, oh, I know I have a bit of a problem, but it's not as bad as it is for some people I know. It's not like I can't get by. And for some of us, the smell of defeat is already strong in our nostrils. I've tried so many times before to get on top of my struggles, but I always end up losing. Why should it be any different this time? Maybe I should just accept that I'm simply not strong enough. Now, all of these feelings are understandable because we live in a world where people are forever comparing one person to another and judging one another. The media seems determined to peddle the idea of the perfect person with a perfect body, the perfect lifestyle, they live in this perfect house, they've got this perfect car parked on the driveway, and they're the perfectly raised children are playing on the perfectly manicured lawn, and then the perfect spouse puts the perfectly cooked dinner on the table before retiring to bed for perfect sex, followed by a perfect night's sleep. And of course, the perfect truth is there is no such thing as the perfect person. Not on the inside and not on the outside. This is a world in which everyone, everyone has issues. No one gets to become an adult without having some serious issues, some habit that they know is not healthy, some addictive behaviour that controls their life. And the recovery course is about giving you the chance to stop, just stop for a moment, take a look at what's going on in your life, to recognise the issues, what it is that's holding you down, and then to explore the possibility of change. Not that we will become the perfect person by the end of the course, but we do believe that every single one of us can find a new freedom from the issues begin to see ourselves differently and have the chance to lead a life with God's power at our disposal. And you're not doing the course alone. And you will not be trying to sort things out by yourself and in your own strength. In an Old Testament book called Proverbs, 
God promises this. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. And it goes on. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. The great monotheistic religions of the world believe that this world is not some random cosmic accident, that things just exploded into being by chance. And the same goes for human beings. They don't believe that we are here because lots of little cells just happened to split millions of times by chance, and we are the result. Instead, these major religions believe that there is a God who made this world and created life. A God who, in the Bible, in in one of the Psalms, says, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And the Christian faith believes that this God didn't just wander off and leave us to it. He wants to be involved in our messy lives. So much so that he chose to be born as a person, Jesus, who was just like us. In the New Testament, there's a letter called Hebrews, and in that, the writer says this, we don't have a priest, that's Jesus, we don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. And then it adds these encouraging words. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. And this is the God who will help us every single step of the way on this journey of change and recovery if we want him to. This course is intended primarily for those who suspect that they might have an addiction and who have decided that now is the time to do something about it. We're not going to waste time debating what an addiction is. John Coates, who was himself in active addiction to alcohol, cocaine and other drugs for nearly 25 years, defined addiction like this in his book, No Big Deal. He said this, It's not a problem unless it's a problem. Simply put, if our behavioural behavioral patterns are causing a problem for us or for those around us, then it's a good idea to start making some changes. A great deal of scientific research has been done looking at the causes of addictive behaviour and there is plenty of evidence suggesting that a predisposition to addiction is actually inherited from our parents. So to some extent we are in this place today through no fault of our own. It's the way we've been wired. Having said that, We're also responsible for our actions. For instance, I may be a fearful person, but it is possible for me to choose to display courage. By nature, I may be an indecisive and chaotic person, but I still have the potential to choose to take steps to incorporate order in my life. I may have an addictive personality, But at the end of the day, for whatever reason, I chose to use drugs, alcohol, sex, 
food, gambling or something else to excess just as I chose to indulge. And there are steps I can choose that will now allow me to be free. Back in the mid-1930s, two men, Bill Wilson, Dr Bob Smith, founded Alcoholics Anonymous. Wilson had been influenced by the psychiatrist Carl Jung's opinion that alcoholism could be cured by a genuine spiritual experience. And so started the 12-step program that some of us may be familiar with today. Over the last 75 years, a large number of people, once written off as incurable drunks, have begun to get well, all because they began to look upwards towards a powerful force outside of themselves who would empower them to change. And what is even more extraordinary is the success of the 12 Steps is not just restricted to those with a drink problem. In the intervening years, they have been shown to be effective with all kinds of addiction. The reason this is a spiritual program is because addiction is a disease of the human spirit. Addiction destroys love, trust, hope, and all the other spiritual values that give life its significance. Then there is the collateral damage that's caused by our addiction to our physical and mental health, our social relationships, our marriages, our finances. Everything we hold dear is ultimately destroyed by our habit. And of course, merely treating any of these consequences still leaves the root causes unchecked and ready to continue their destructive path at the first opportunity. There's hardly a day that goes by when our newspapers don't have an article about a celebrity going into a high-profile rehab. Some survive, some don't. In, in the past few years, there have been the deaths of Michael Jackson, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Jerry Rafferty, Amy Whitehouse, Whitney Houston. And in this glare of the media spotlight, it's only too easy to forget that addiction does not respect age, sex, status, nationality, or background. One in three adults in the UK smoke cigarettes. Over one million are estimated to struggle with anorexia and bulimia. 15 million are obese, largely due to compulsive eating caused by stress and anxiety. Addiction to prescription drugs is rife. Then there's the person who feeds off internet porn for hours on end. Compulsive shopping and habitual overspending ruins lives. And over the last few years, internet gaming, especially among the young, has become of increasing concern. Problem gambling is also on the increase, with an estimated 350,000 people in the UK addicted. And new addictions are surfacing every passing year, such as addictions to Facebook, Twitter, social media. And on the surface, it may look laughable, but many lives are being impacted negatively and all of us are becoming more vulnerable to addiction. But the good news is we can change and the change can be for good. And this course is not intended to merely improve the quality of our existence but to help us have a new life.
as Jesus said in, in the Gospel of John, he says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Recovering from any addictive behaviour might seem a little bit daunting, especially in these early stages. And the process demands perseverance, it demands honesty, and most importantly, willingness. A willingness not to just think differently about others, but also primarily ourselves. Of course, we can try to continue um, to live with our addictions. After all, there are periods of time when things don't seem so bad, and in a way it seems preferable to the uncertainty that change may bring. And it's true that many of us can get by. But is that what we really want? Anyone who suspects that they are addicted knows deep down that they will never have a life that's truly fulfilling. Addiction ultimately steals everything we value. It will steal our money, our self-respect, our friendships, our marriages, our children, our jobs, our time, our accomplishments and our dreams. And very quickly, it steals the person we know deep down that we really are. As John Coates again, he poignantly writes this, In my own case, the most significant thing it stole from me was my freedom. It stole my freedom to choose, my freedom to act, my freedom to travel, my freedom to create, my freedom to enjoy the company of others, my freedom to take pleasure in this staggeringly beautiful world and all that it contains. It stole my horizons and it stole my dreams. For no matter what I did or where I went, the ability to satisfy my addictions had to be my first priority. And of course, it steals our health, our sanity, and finally our life itself. And John Coates again wrote these rather chilling words. He says, one way or another, it will get us. It is versatile, it is patient, it is subterranean, it is fatal. Finally, most of us are not only susceptible to one addiction, but to many. And we will jump from one addiction to another as the mood takes us. We might start out on nicotine and then end up on alcohol and drugs as well. Or we might be a compulsive eater and then drift towards pornography and excessive spending. As one addict said to me, in my head I have five bins but only four lids. The idea that an addiction is not something to get over worried about is a dangerous delusion. As long as we are able to persuade ourselves that we don't have a problem or that we can control it, we're deceiving ourselves and our lives will continue to deteriorate. I don't believe there is a single child in the world currently thinking, when I grow up, I want to be a heroin addict. The person who starts exploring soft drugs for the first time doesn't usually intend to end up a crack addict. And the person who starts viewing pornography certainly never intends to download hardcore child pornography. The American actor Corey Feldman said about his drug addiction, 
It did not feel like something that was going to take over my life and destroy it. It felt like a subtle flower instead of a manipulative demon. That's the mystery of heroin, he says. Actually, that's the mystery of all addictions. All of us here suffer from some form of addiction. But these are just symptoms, the ways in which we try and soothe an underlying condition. It is therefore the underlying condition that needs to be addressed. We embark on an addictive course of action to medicate our troubled feelings. The comedian and actor Russell Brand, who was a heroin and crack addict for many years, was recently asked what he was looking for in his addiction. And he replied this, to anaesthetise the pain. I always felt desperately unhappy. When I first started taking drugs, I thought, oh, thank God, something that makes you feel less miserable. Goes on, the reason you take drugs is to prevent yourself from confronting what you actually are. So when we feel bad, the quickest way to abolish these feelings is to use. Use anything, alcohol, pornography, shopping, drugs, gambling, anything we think helps. But unfortunately, it also works the other way around too. When I feel good, I also want to prolong or intensify the feeling. Once again, by using alcohol, sex, drugs, shopping, gambling, anything. Russell Brand made another important point in an article that he wrote for the Spectator magazine. He said this, and I like this quote, he says, drugs and alcohol are not my problem. Reality is my problem. Drugs and alcohol are my solution. I look to drugs and booze to fill up a hole in me. TV chef Nigella Lawson, speaking about her cocaine and marijuana usage, recently said this, I don't have a drug problem, I have a life problem. It's not enough to go through a period of detoxification and then kid ourselves that the problem is now resolved. A personal transformation is required. If we leave this course fundamentally the same people we were when we came in, then sooner or later we will fail and relapse. Recovery is all about change, a profound, radical, personal change. Of course, most of us don't like change, do we? And we try to resist it for various reasons. Some of us are angry that we have to change. Some of us feel shame that we need to change. And probably most of us are afraid that we will not be able to change. And certainly there will be times on this course when we'll say to ourselves, I can't do this, I'm not up to it. But if we want to have life to the full, this life that Jesus promises is available to us, we must first of all want to be transformed. For God to be able to work in us, he will require us to look at ourselves at a deep and emotional level. Secondly, we must want to be transformed more than we want to remain in our addictive lifestyle. And thirdly, we need to understand that there is no alternative to God. 
He has the power to change me. I don't. I know because I've tried. I am therefore reliant on his power to complete the process I'm saying I'm now willing to begin. Now, of course, for many of us, change is not an entirely attractive idea. Yes, part of us hates the control our addiction has over us, the broken relationships we've created, the sense of disgust and self-hatred we feel, the life of dishonesty, the fear of people finding out what we are really like underneath the mask, the wasteful hemorrhaging of money, the damage to our health, the underlying guilt, the shame and fear. It's something that in our more rational moments, we wouldn't think twice about getting rid of. But on the other hand, it is an existence it's an existence we've come to cope with at times, and the idea of transformation, especially at the hands of a supposed all-knowing and all-powerful God, is even more scary. And so we find ourselves between a rock and a hard place. On the one side is this transforming God and all the uncertainty that that prospect entails, and on the other is our addiction of choice, which has helped me to cope with all the bad feelings, the anger, the inadequacy, the shame, the guilt, and the fear all these years. In a strange way, our addiction is our friend and saviour. It has helped us to cope with the uncertainties and pain of this life. John Coates recognises the loyalty that we feel we owe to this friend. He wrote this, we do not want to believe that all the time it has been undermining us, cheating us, telling us lies, luring us into places we never wanted to go. Nor do we want to admit that this friend, this help, this support has now become our master. That it has now become indispensable to us and that we would do almost anything, no matter how base in its service we pretend to ourselves that we're still in control. We may even manage to abstain for a while, but we always go back to our friend. Why should we give up our only real reliable friend? Most of the people we thought were our friends are deserting us one by one because of our deteriorating behaviours, but this, our only true friend, can be relied upon to do what it has always done, to make us feel better, or at least not quite so bad, for a time. Of course, the truth is we are slowly getting worse, but we're refusing to acknowledge it. That's actually called denial, and that's something, if you're willing to begin this exciting and transforming voyage of discovery and recovery, we will look at denial next week. It's the very first step. American pastor Dr. Rick Warren wrote this, you've undoubtedly heard the expression, time heals all wounds. Unfortunately, it isn't true. I frequently talk with people who are still carrying hurts from 30 or 40 years ago. The truth is, he says, time often makes things worse. Wounds that are left untended fester and spread infection throughout your entire body Time only extends the pain if the problem isn't dealt with. This course is for those who know the time has come when the problem has to be dealt with. If we're really going 
to live a life in which we begin to realise our full potential. It's also a course for those who have been through treatment but have since relapsed and maybe lost hope that they can never change. I want to finish with a quote from one of the Psalms, Psalm 28, by a chap called King David who wrote most of the Psalms. And uh, he always wore his heart on his sleeve and was very open about his struggles. Um, and he here indicates how this higher power, this God, is his solution. He says this, Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. And that can be our claim too, if we would like it to be. Time for your small groups. Thank you.